My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I'll be speaking with Samantha from the organization Courage. In social movements and communities in struggle, there is often an ongoing debate about how to relate to political parties, about which party or parties to relate to, and in fact about whether to put energy into relating to political parties at all. And, among left-leaning people involved in nominally social democratic political parties that have been swept to the political center by the decades-long tidal swell that goes under the banner of neoliberalism, there's another debate this one about how to move their parties back to the left. These debates often feature a wide range of passionately held and wildly diverging opinions, and it seems unlikely that either will reach a consensus in the foreseeable future. However, there is one strand of politics that has grown substantially in popularity in recent years that attempts to answer both questions at once. In the United States and the United Kingdom in the last few years, initiatives that combine movement building with party politics have managed to introduce anti-neoliberal grassroots demands into electoral politics in a way that has not been true in decades, and have pushed the parties in question a little and quite a bit to the left, respectively. In Canada, the NDP has seen no comparable movement-ish insurgency pushing it leftwards. Of course, there is a history of such efforts here, just as there is in other countries, the Waffle in the 1970s, the New Politics Initiative in the early 2000s, various ongoing projects by socialist grouplets of various stripes. But even in the context of this past year's leadership contest in the federal party, nothing coalesced that was comparable to Bernie Sanders' campaign in the U.S. or Jeremy Corbyn's campaign in the U.K. Just because it hasn't reached a critical mass yet, though, doesn't mean that there aren't people working on it. Courage is an independent political organization comprised mostly of people involved in grassroots work of one kind or another who are also mostly either current or former members of the NDP. The group originally formed to try to push the Leap Manifesto within the federal NDP, and it participated in the organizing that defeated Tom Mulcair's effort in 2016 to retain the party leadership. And since then, they've been working on building their organization, formulating policy, and figuring out an approach to working both inside and outside the party, in relation with the movements in which many Courage members are active participants, to bring movement priorities around economic justice, racial justice, gender justice, and solidarity with indigenous struggles, all understood in ways that go beyond the straitjacket of neoliberalism, into the NDP, and therefore onto the mainstream political map. They envision pulling the NDP away from the center and in a more genuinely progressive direction. Samantha is a woman of color of Azorian and Filipino background who comes from an activist family. Much of her own political work has revolved around the intersection of race and gender. She's worked with queer and trans youth living in poverty, and she is very involved in work related to racial equity in the workplace, particularly in the tech sector. She's an active member of Courage, and she speaks with me about the organization, 
about its work, and about why it gives her hope in these politically depressing times. My name is Samantha. I am the firstborn person in my family to be in Canada. I come from an Azorian and Filipino background. A lot of the work that I do often is centered around the intersection of race and gender. I always joke that I have been in protests as soon as I was able to walk. My mom used to strap me to her chest. So I've been actively involved in politics and activism from a very young age. I was very lucky that I come from parents who, uh, my dad's up in unions. My mom has always been very progressive, both in her work stances and in the ways that she's decided to raise my sister and myself, my dad. So discussions of politics weren't like something that was taboo around the table. It was something that we actively discussed from a very young age. And I mean, there's video footage, I think, of myself and my sister at a Mike Harris protest. And, I, and my, so my dad is a teacher on top of that. Like, I remember work to rule and what that meant for our family and, you know, some of the things like bricks being thrown at protesters. So when that's what you grow up with and you come from immigrant families that have histories of dictatorships, and you know, I mean, like I look at the Philippines right now and we have discussions at like family tables over Duterte and Marcos and that's just normal conversation. So when you come from that, it becomes very easy to have that support to become politically active and very active in activist communities. So it was a logical step for me to get involved in federal and provincial politics. And up until about a couple months ago, I was actually the vice president of my writing association for the MP. And then I have the fortune of working with a group called Courage. Courage originally started as a movement to really push the LEAP manifesto in the NDP federal party. And so a lot of the work that they did had to do about discussing how to get rid of some of our more centrist viewpoints, including elements like small care and a few others like that, and working towards actually being a really solid progressive party. There's not a lot of federal parties for someone to fall under if they are left-leaning. And I say left-leaning because I would not say that the NDP is a leftist group to begin with. So Courage basically was started to address the need for the NDP to become true left party. And for that to happen, you have to make sure that you change some of the fundamental elements that basically make us liberal lights. I got looped into Courage with one of their organizers based on the work that I do with racialized communities. And we've been putting together a group that can critically look at the leadership race first, assess the ways that the NDP is currently structuring itself to become more centrist and making sure that we can push both externally and internally in the party to a more progressive leftist stance. So basically, Courage has been focused for the last little bit on the leadership race. Uh, And that's the federal NDP leadership race that ended on October 1st, 2017, with a first ballot victory by Jagmeet Singh over Nikki Ashton, Guy Caron, and Charlie Angus. We did some assessment of the federal candidates, and even then, we did not go as far as to actually endorse the candidate. And a lot of that comes from the fact that we have a wide range of people who are a part of Courage, who have a wide range of thoughts of what progressivism looks like, um, what's needed first before we can get to what a true leftist stance as a political party, and also making sure that there isn't alienation in the ways that we think progressiveness looks like, because that is such a key part of the reason why 
when you look at lessons groups that you don't see a high level of diversity. And then from there, we've moved into an assessment of policies. So now what we're working on is how do we get progressive policies in the NDP playbook? How do we make sure that we have an accountability process that actually creates not just a sense of equality, but actually true equity for all those who are involved in the party? And how do we make sure that as we go forward that we are keeping true to the fundamentals of what a progressive country can look like and what a progressive party can look like? So one of the things that we do a lot of discussion on is income equality and having uh, universal income, and then also looking at the ways that we are structuring, the ways that we support populations that need necessary support from federal entities, looking at a tuition strategy, looking at healthcare, looking at accessible childcare, things that would actually be able to address the ways that we have inequality, especially when it comes to females in the workforce. These are all elements that need pushing. And especially when we were looking at the platforms that were coming out of the leadership, we were all like, there's no perfect leader, right? But we can address what Guy is saying, be like, oh, we like this piece and this piece and this piece. And when we were looking at Ashton's campaign, oh, we like this element and this element and this element. And basically what we've been doing is we've been compiling the different parts of these leadership campaigns and making sure that we push those ideals forward as they continue through. And one of the things that I care deeply about comes from a universal income and looking at childcare. And I will say that if you talk to a different Courage member, a different Courage member will have a different understanding of what is the most important thing that we need to change in the NDP. And that's what I love about the party is that I'm going to talk about this from my stance. It doesn't matter who and what in courage is being focused on. We all have this understanding that we are working towards a place where there is the true support necessary so that we can actually create the world that we so dream about. Other people are very much structured on the ways that we look at our foreign policies, the way that we look at our relationship to oil and fossil fuel companies. One of the things that I think we all agree upon and encourage as a fundamental principle is that we have not even gotten near to what the meaning of reconciliation is. So when we look at some of our policies when it deals with Indigenous peoples in Canada, we haven't even crossed the barrier of being what I would call a progressive stance on it. Those are some of the things that Courage has looked at from a policy standpoint. We're working on an accountability process, dealing with things that have happened within the Saskatchewan NDPs. Uh, And what Samantha is alluding to here is a situation in the Saskatchewan NDP where a former candidate and party activist has been accused of sexual harassment and sexual assault. It's almost like we have a small group that's proactively working on things that we need to remove some of the centrist things that are happening in the NDP, but we also have to reactively look at things that are happening to even get to the point where we can talk about policy. We can't even think about it because we're still like reeling from the ways that we are ignoring survivors within our party. I first heard about Courage in early 2017 when the group was circulating a survey as broadly as it could on social media. Talk a bit about the purpose of that survey and about what you found. When we were sending out the survey, we were looking to see the number of people who identified either with interest in the party or were party members. So we actually wanted to get our ears on the ground to see what people are interested in, what their viewpoints are in the party. 
one of the ways that we used the survey was actually to create what our basis of unity was going to be. So we were looking at the ways that different groups were being either ignored by the current group or how we could actually influence the party based on what people were interested in. So from there, we had about 400 people respond to the survey, which was really great. And they all basically asserted what we were thinking, that we were not really as left as we could be. We also saw that we needed to kind of change the way that the organizational tree of the decisions within the NDP are grossly ineffective with actually looking at what is happening at a grassroots level. When we're looking at over 80% of the people who responded, which is 400 people who responded, saw that we needed to have a shift away from the staff-driven leadership towards the members in the NDP. So that's a clear indication that grassroots is feeling incredibly ignored by a structure that was supposed to support grassroots party style. And then we also saw that a strong majority, so over 75% believe that movements are essential to achieving a progressive change. And so one of the things that when we look at why we lost the 2015 federal election, a lot of it is the liberals were really great at mobilizing the thought of a movement. You would not look at Mulcair and think that's a movement right there. But the way that Trudeau was able to mobilize and create a movement, especially with young Canadians, really structured the ways that they were able to win that election. And we also saw that we needed to make sure that we are having key discussions that are not happening just on a, oh, once a year we have a federal convention. We should be having strategy discussions with different groups and different grassroots elements and different writings to make sure that we have all the voices that are necessary to propel change within the organization. I think it's also stated that we had almost 50% were federal NDP, 42% were provincially NDP, we had over a third were part of the labor movement, over a third identified as feminist, over a third identified as anti-racist, a third identified as those who are in solidarity with our indigenous groups in Canada, and 30% identified with being motivated because of environmental justice. So it was really fantastic as a survey. We were quite impressed with the results that we had from the survey. What kinds of things has Courage been doing to grow the organization's membership? We gained quite a few members after the survey, and we ebb and flow. So we also gained quite a few members after our initial release of our discussion on the leadership. And then we got another flow after our circularization of our S2 and uh, assessment of how we shame survivors in this party. So we ebb and flow based on what we're putting out. I will say that we have a FEM-identified and a race-identified caucus within Courage, and we've been looking at ways that we can better Courage before we bring in people who can experience lateral violence within an organization, right? So we are trying to make sure as a group that we practice what we preach and include as many of those voices, but also making sure that those voices are included in a way that they do not experience violence that is from you know, learned racism, learned sexism, learned misogynoir, that sort of thing. So what happens is quite a few of us, especially if we identify as them or are racialized individuals, we have outside groups that we talk to about things that are happening in Courage, and we bring those voices into our Courage meetings. So it's almost like we have an advisory board that we bring in to make sure that we gather the right resources and create the ideal organization so as we scale, we are scaling in a way that reflects principles that we hold dear to our hearts. Tell me more about how Courage functions as an organization in terms of, you know, meetings and decision making and that kind of thing. 
So we recognize that not all of our members are able to make it to our bi-weekly meetings. We recognize that's not going to happen. So we've tried to make sure that whenever we are making a decision, especially one that is going to be crucial to the way that Courage is structured, we send it to all of our members on our email list. And we open up documents for feedback so everyone can always put in feedback. We make sure that we're using multiple channels. Let's say we're working on a piece that's assessing the leadership, which we did quite a bit. We put that in both our internal and external Facebook groups and our Facebook page to allow people to actually have those conversations and give their critiques freely and make sure that every voice is heard within the ways that we are structuring documentation that we're putting Courage's name on. We have proxy votes. We have people who will send detailed responses to meeting minutes so that we can make sure that we acknowledge those voices at the next meeting. I love that even though we can't have all of our members together for our two to three hour meetings, we are able to open up many channels so that every person has either a way to vote yes or no on something or able to give their commentary on something and that we can make sure that that's reflected and we go through quite a few ideations. So it might take a group, you know, two or three weeks to do a policy in a different organization, but we'll take the time to go through three, four, five, six, seven ideations to make sure that it accurately reflects our population and that everyone has a chance to sign off or send any notes or that sort of thing before something goes out, which I'm quite proud of. How does Courage plan to push its particular agenda within the NDP? Right now, we're really lucky that most of us are associated with a writing association or still have connections to a writing association. And it's a lot easier to get buy-in by writing association members to present our amendments or our policies, either at provincial levels or at federal levels. We've been very lucky that we've been able to make those partnerships. So until we get caucus standing, and I don't even know if we ever want to go towards caucus standing, to be frank, we really need to work on making sure that we keep those connections with writings to make sure that we can have proposals that go forward. So one of the things that we're working on and we're quite proud of is that we have an internal democracy amendment that we've put forward and we've had sponsorship from a writing association to take it forward. So one of the things that we try to do is we'll assess areas of the party that we can put together a solid response or solid workaround or a solid amendment and then see if we can get sponsorship from a writing association to then bring it to the next level. That way we don't have to worry too much about needing to get recognition by the party because we're getting sponsorship from a writing association. And we're finding that to be quite successful so far. So one of the things that you must have encountered is a certain amount of skepticism from a subset of people who are involved in social movements and communities and struggle. Skepticism coming out of the long history of efforts like the Waffle in the 1970s and the New Politics Initiative in the early 2000s and various other things over the years that have tried to push the NDP to the left and have mostly not succeeded. How do you respond to that skepticism? I would say that that's incredibly fair. I'll preference that, you know, my 26 and three quarters age means that I haven't been around for nearly as many movements as other members. We have a wide range of ages and experiences that are a part of Courage, and some of them actively discuss the successes and failures of other attempts to bring the NDP more left. I, too, hold my reservations on what I think is feasible with Courage, but I am always incredibly aware of how hopeful the group makes me feel. 
And I think right now, as we look at the ways that the party can change, especially with the new leaders, that hope is motivating quite a few of us to make sure that this is something that actually does work. I would say I'm a realist in the ways that I look at activism, having joined and left other groups. I think courage is actively looking at ways that we can create shifts. And those shifts allow for more shifts. And once you get through the motivation to change one thing in the party, it's easier to then have validation to give more suggestions and more suggestions and more suggestions. And the fact that we're going through writing associations has brought a validity to some of our amendments. That signals to other parts of the party, including internal staff, that we're combining a grassroots approach with something that works with the current structure as an organization. And I think that is forcing the greater NDP to then look at the ways that this organization can influence the federal party. I would say that especially those who come from marginalized groups who have seen and hoped and then been gravely disappointed that your feelings are incredibly valid on this. And all I can do is say that as someone who's a part of Courage, I remain hopeful in a way that I have not been hopeful with the federal NDP since I was listening to stories from my mom as a very young child. One of the features of efforts in the United States in recent years to push mainstream politics to the left has been what is, to my mind, a toxic and unnecessary and completely artificial polarization between attention to income inequality and attention to things like racism and sexism. Do you think there's a risk of that kind of polarization happening in the Canadian context? And what is Courage doing to make sure that it doesn't happen here? We need to be very careful when we're doing a comparison of the U.S. to Canadian politics. But I would say that Courage as a whole, while we do have quite a few people who are connected to unions and who are very much working on income equality, we have focused quite a bit on making sure that we are not focusing on an issue from one particular lens. So I will say that I'm very much well-known with encouraged for being the race person. And I often look at when we're doing things from a context of race and the implications of what is happening, especially for racialized groups. So by having all of these voices that are addressing it from different lenses, we tend to come up with not finished products, but you know, a more public stance that reflects multiple areas and multiple intersections to ensure that it's not a divide. It's all focused on the different ways that that particular piece that we're looking at affects different individuals. And I mean, I'm sure that each person in the group that is looking at it from a different lens will say that, you know, like I didn't get all the things that I wanted on there. I will say that 100% of the time. But I think we have worked together to make sure that we have respected each different group that we are trying to create a system of equity in. We are making sure to the best of our ability that we are including as many lenses, as many people to the table so that we are not creating an internal divide. How do you envision the relationships among grassroots movements and communities and courage and the NDP working in practice? One of the things that is really unique about Courage is that none of us would say that we are NDP members first. We would probably say that we are part of whatever organization or activist group that we are a part of and doing a lot of work on. That would probably be what we would say that we identify with first. 
And then depending on where it ranks, you know, two, three, or four is, is an NDP member. And I think because we are so focused on our individual communities, a lot of us make sure that we are structured in respecting those groups as much as possible. So for myself, I do a lot of work with queer and trans youth who are below the poverty line. And I do a lot of work on racial equity in the workplace, specifically within tech as someone who is clawing my way through that system. Um, because those groups tend to either have to be apolitical for granting organizations or they have to align with whatever party is in power at the time, they're not able to voice some of their concerns in the ways that they want to, but we're able to voice those concerns through courage. I think also because courage gave those who have left the NDP because it didn't represent their values adequately a chance to still be involved on a federal level. We also can present a pathway to either rejoin the party or to keep involved in party politics. And I think that's honestly the way that the federal party will learn to engage with courage is a way to look at disenfranchised members to keep them involved in political activism. And then also as a way to then demonstrate that this party can be their political party. And I think that's where they're going to find the most value out of courage, honestly. Make your pitch to people who are involved in grassroots movements and communities and struggle about why you think it's worth it for them to also invest time and energy in courage. I'm going to talk to racialized folks. Hello, racialized folks. <laughs> um, it's very easy to get involved in the NDP, especially as a federal party, as a person of color, because we are so easily tokenized. We are shiny objects that help them reflect what they are trying to do within the party. And that often can lead to lateral violence. That can lead to feeling like your voice actually doesn't matter. That there isn't an actual pathway for you to make real change within the internal structures because you're there as a show cookie. And I know what that feels like. And I can tell you that as someone who has been a part of Courage, that I see people who traditionally have enforced the marginalization of my experiences in federal politics actually do the work to support my ideas, that I actively have been able to voice my concerns over anything that has happened in Courage or any of our responses and have felt validated, have felt an instant sense of your right, we need to fix this. But I have never had to spend more than a few seconds articulating why something needs to be said and that people have gone out of their way to address my concerns. And that is a very new experience for myself as someone who's been involved in political activism for the majority of my life. That is a very new experience for me. And it's been a very humbling and hopeful element of the ways that I interact with courage. So I would say to those who are disenfranchised, especially if they're racialized, that that is something that I've experienced and something that keeps me going back to courage as motivated as I am every day. You have been listening to my interview with Samantha about the organization Courage. To learn more about their work, go to couragecoalition.ca. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to suggest topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. 
I'm your host, Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, Gender and Sexuality, and Resisting the State, both from Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. <laughs>